Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, I'm joined by Martijn Back, the group treasurer at Vion Food Group. Headquartered in the Netherlands, Vion Food Group are an international meat producer with production locations in Netherlands and Germany, offices worldwide, annual revenues over 5 billion, making them one of the world's top food and beverage companies. Vion supply customers, home markets, and across Europe and the rest of the world. And we had a really good pre-podcast call, Martin and I, and one of the key things we talked about how this COVID crisis has been and the effect on the world of supply chain. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But as always, we want to hear about Martin's history and how you got started in your career. And I know that you started with a bit of a law background to then go into banking and then discover the world of treasury. So a bit of an interesting start there, sir. And as always, over to you. Good afternoon, Mike. Like you said, I started studying law, and during my law studies, I also worked a little bit in in law practice. Well, for me, it's personal, of course. It was not dynamic enough. And then a friend of mine arranged an interview with ING Bank, and I sort of landed a traineeship there, got to see all the departments, and then at the end, made the decision to join the treasury slash cash management department of ING Bank, where I worked for a few years. And I, and I enjoyed it. But a few years, I got the opportunity to change seats or places with and join a treasury department of Friesland Campina, which is, a, I guess, one of the larger, I think, top three in the world dairy companies. You say you got the chance to sort of chain. You had this really good cash management treasury background within the bank. But then what tempted you to treasury as it such? When working for a bank, you, you, you tend to believe that what you are selling is, is the best product there is out there. You don't know what, what the implication is of your sale. So And the next steps in the chain are known to you. And then it's interesting to see what's more out there. If you're on the treasury side of the business, you've got to speak to all these consultants and banks, and they have all different palettes of solutions for, the, for, for a similar problem. Yeah, that's just a, just a different view on things. Talk me through then the role that you got at Friesland and what was that like as you start in treasury, a corporate treasury, as it were? I started partly as project manager. So one of the projects was implementing a big uh, international cash pool, for instance. And I also was because they have an extremely international footprint. So I got to travel uh, quite a lot because they were, from a financial point of view, extremely decent organized, but they did not have the treasury knowledge or experience. So for instance, they have a, in Malaysia, they have a company with a few thousand people and, and of course a CFO, but the CFO does not know anything about how, how this, this should be financed and how the cash management works and ethics. And at the start, I got the job to, to travel a lot and help these people set up a decent cash cash management, FX management, and and, and finance the, the, the company. I was a sort of an internal banker, because you got to learn a lot of cultures, a lot of banks and, and bank cultures. Yeah, it's interesting. And the role itself within the group, again, you've been within food services or food groups and things for a number of, and we'll bring that out as well with your latest role and things like that. What was that like in, in terms of some people, they're just within the services company, so you can't really touch the product and everything else. Did you get really involved in that, get to know some of the business? Yes, although I do think that Treasury has evolved the last few years more to a business partner than it used to be. In my opinion, it was more decentralized and more of a headquarter department than than it's now, at least the way we do it now. That is, of course, different. But yes, of course, when you start in a company, you need to learn the business. 
Otherwise, it's difficult to assess where you can add value. So, yeah, I would always advise people who started a new company to make a tour through the company. You get to learn all the different trades, and then it's easier to add value, for, also from a headquarter point of view. Yeah. So you did that role or a couple of roles there, and then sort of grew your career, and then joined. How do you say Nutrico? Is that right? Yeah, it's it's also an agriculture company. So so from the dairy, I went to the the feed animal feed. Mm-hmm. Indeed, my last job at Friesland Campina was corporate finance manager, and then so I did their project management, cash management, and and, and financing the company. And then within Utreco, I became the treasury manager, sort of a assistant treasurer. Mm. It was a broader function. And also interesting, because Nutreco also has an international footprint. It's on the stock exchange. It used to be on the stock exchange. Now it's not anymore. But was already, I think, with the treasury at a quite high level. Hmm. So it was more difficult to, to really add value, I think. And then with the, the role there, you also made international moves and things like that? Or talk us through that? Yeah, in Treco, the holding company was, a, was, a, was with not many people. So you got to know... All the there was about 60 people in the holding, whereas it was a big company mm. with four billion turnover, I think. And so and then every now and then we did an acquisition, and then if you're close to the to the fire, they gave me the opportunity to join the acquisition as a finance director and to see and experience a new culture and a bigger finance job. So I was responsible for implementing the acquired company, but then HR, but also the accounting and IMT and what have you. So there was an extremely learnful year especially the first first year i think and i would always do that again although i did not stay in a function as a finance manager or cfo or finance director because for me it's the the repetitive part of the job is not interesting enough the rest of the experience was extremely learnful also i think i became a better business partner because i now know how a finance manager thinks what he has to do, what his priorities are and what not, of course, and what experience they, they might have and what experience they might not have. So that, that makes it easier to reach out to him and, and connect. That's extremely important because you're always seen as a headquarter function, which, which is extremely specialized with, with the sort of language not most people understand. And, and then you will only connect if you start talking to people and listening to them. And let's just explain again for the listeners, because we, we sort of whizzed past that bit, but actually you'd relocated and we're actually based in Vietnam. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. and what you mean. Yes. So what, what what was that like culturally as well? Sort of came in from a treasury perspective. This is what I'm looking at, treasury finance. You say it was people now listening back. Oh, right. Okay. So you, someone might get into the business and have to move from the Netherlands to France or to Spain or something like, you know, or something relatively local might be differences and things. You were moving the other side of the world. You know, what was that like? Yeah. There's also a huge cultural gap if you move to France, but, yeah. uh, and it might even be more difficult. But I would recommend that experience to everybody. I think it makes you understand does not always, your point of view is not the only point of view. And that's something I think the experience of the business is that People from head office, like Treasury, but also group uh, control and what have you, and communications, they tend to think that their story is the truth. And people in business always struggle to understand why they think that is the case. <laughs> and if you're out there on your own, eh, because I was the only Dutchman in a, in, in a company of uh, 500 people, well, two French people, uh, by the way, eating lunch and people start talking Vietnamese only. So it's, it sometimes can be a little, bit, a little bit lonely, but nevertheless, you have to take initiative. You have to change things. You have to convince people because it's their country, their company, mm. they have very useful experience. 
you'd had that experience out there in the business and everything else, and then you returned back to the Netherlands and things. With that transition, what was it like transitioning back? What I did wrong, and I think that's a good tip for most expats, is that I forgot to connect with the head office. So I was there in Vietnam for, what was it, just over two years. In the meantime, the CEO changed. A lot of other management positions changed. I think you have to connect to these people now and then, eh? and more regular than, than not regular, if you want your career to advance. Eh? Because in my position, I was someone they, they stopped knowing <laughs> when I, I came back. And then it's difficult for the next step in your career. And I wanted to go back to Treasury after two years in, in finance. There was no place in Treasury here in Utrecht. So there was no issue. It was more, more, more my problem than a company's problem. And then I left for, for a retailer. So what would you have done differently, reflecting back on that? You know, if someone, again, is in a similar situation, they've made a transition, they're listening to this the other side of the world, wherever it might be, and they, they've got a head office. How would you go about it? You know, looking, maybe just reflecting on that. Is that to sort of travel back some, sometimes and try and remake connections? Or how would you do it? The times have changed, of course, a little bit, <laughs> because nowadays you can easily set up a Teams meeting and have a coffee with the new CFO for 15 minutes. So now and then, or just have a chat with Teams or Zoom or whatever. Yeah. But I would definitely do that, yeah. I would travel more, yeah, stay more connected to, to the senior management in the holding. Yeah, try and keep connected with those guys. And you then sort of transition back in and, you know, before you then made a move to well, this, this other group plus retail and things like that. What was that like? Or just bring us back to Europe, if you like. I did not really like working for a retailer, to be honest. Okay. But that's, that's something personal. I think for, for me, treasury job has to be for a company with an international footprint, preferably with some sort of distress. Yeah? So that it should not be already at an extremely high level and an easy access to liquidity and everything is working perfect. I, for me, I like digging into issues and then adding value to the business. So, so that, that's why I think I, I was not the best fit for a retailer. Mm. Then I moved to Vion, and that was something, of course, totally different. They were a company in distress, just sold one of their profit-making units, business units of divisions, to another American company. And then we were left with pork and beef division and a food, small food service division, which were, well, hardly making any money. Just going back a stage, you know, when you were making that move, what then, as you said, it was, you came in, and I remember we discussed this briefly, sort of thing before, that you came in and it was a tough time for the group. Why join a company like that? Surely it's you want to join a company that's successful and no problems and everything, especially with a new job and everything else. Or did you think, do you know what, this is a great challenge? Or what, what was the sort of thinking from yourself? A great challenge. And I was sure that with my experience, I could add, add immediate value. Yeah, there was not much eh, when, when I started. There was uh, All the systems were outdated. So there was no transparency of uh, funds. There was all different intercompany uh, relations, which were not really documented. And also the, the finance facility was only extended for one year. So there was a, an immediate liquidity issue uh, coming up. Uh, you have to like it, of course, but, th- but that is the exact moment where you can earn your spot at, your spot at the table and add value to, to the business. Yeah, we talked about this, that you did a series of different projects. So was there, when you joined, was there a real checklist of, of stuff to go through? Or you know, was it just you looking at it saying, right, these are the immediate problems to deal with. Let's fire, fire, put these fires out. Or you know, what, what was the ethos when you arrived? There was no to-do list. As a treasurer, you want to have transparency of funds, so you want to know what do I have available and when, which is, of course, the, I think, the top of the list of every treasurer. 
uh, we had some system issues were not serviced. We did not have a forecast. We there was no decent. Yeah, there was a treasury management system that was outdated, and intercompany finance was not arranged. Mm-hmm. So how did you choose it then? What what was the methodology behind that? You know, again, there'll be listeners today who have walked into a similar situation. Or if you want to move quickly, then 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 you don't have the time to do an ac- academic research uh, program no. or project. So so you 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 move with what you know and and you trust some of the consultants you you know and and go from there. And so I I hired one or two consultants and made everything transparent and and they did not too much research to be honest, but ex- relied a, little, a lot on benchmarking. Yeah. So the experience of peers. So talk to them, reach out to them, listen what is the best system to do that, this do that, and then make quick decisions. If you could talk us through beyond as a group, because I know that I you know don't want to run out of time. I want to talk to you about you know how you've reacted to the pandemic and everything else and how it's affected you as a business. But it's just overall. So you're an international meat company. So talk us through that if you would and how that you know impacts on treasury. That's the way we sell to other meat producers and retailers. We finance part of the supply chain. I have a book on in my office, which has has been written by a research lady who has followed one pig and what products are made of this one pig and where it was sold. And this is over 600 pages. It's unbelievable what the pig has, what it's used for. Yeah. But in the end, to finish the story, is that, that you buy a pig for, say, 100 euro. And then your EBITDA margin is one or two, two euros. So you earn on the last few sales. So it's extremely difficult to make money in the, in the slaughtering business. We discussed before that that, you know, knowing where it is in the supply chain and that tracking of it, that's a relatively new thing, if you like, but you've done it before, but now the technology's caught up and how exciting it is. Yeah. You know, why, why is that important to you guys, the veracity of the, you know, that supply chain? For a future point of view, yeah. we in Vion really believe in sustainability and, uh, and animal welfare and track and traceability. And I think that's what you're referring yeah. to. One of the projects we're doing now is indeed, if you buy a piece of meat in the in supermarket, there's a on the barcode, and, and then you can see where the meat has been, where, where the pig or a cow has, what he, what he has eaten, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we tend to focus less on volume for the future and more on quality and transparency and building a balanced change, as we, we call it. So that in the chain, uh, from a, from feed to to the retailer, work together and, and have a very animal-friendly, healthy uh, product. Yeah. Next, and you, well, we talked about this. Everyone's bored of the pandemic. However, whether we are or not, that was a massive shift for you guys because a lot of it came out of China and there was lots of different things with you moving stuff around the world because you're truly a global business and supplies and everything else. Can you talk us through the sort of the impact and that sort of timeline, if you like, and how you saw that? Because then how you've seen it change and develop and everything else. We Again, we we pre-talked about this. I thought it was really interesting. Of course, what happened, I guess, exactly a year ago today, because we're now... Uh, beginning of March, yeah. Beginning of March. So, so there was the first COVID case in, in the Netherlands, and then, then following a lockdown and for a lot of industries, but not for food. We started, we kept producing, but no one knew at the time what, what was happening and how it was spread and how vaccination was not even close to. So so we kept producing and, 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 and being a slaughter company, we use a lot of migrant workers in general. They only come here to make money. So they, they, wanna, they don't want to live in fancy housing and though they tend to live in one house or with many people and work together mm. and go together 
go home together, not spend too much money here, but uh, because they want to take it home. There was a lot of COVID threat between these migrant workers, leading to a lot of media attention for slaughterhouses and then the closure of some of them. Yeah, we were in the papers every day, almost, at that time. We are, of course, uh, our health and safety is, 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 is one of the bigger departments within Vion and has a, has a top priority. We do, do know how to act in circumstances, but nevertheless, this was better driving in the midst and without help. Was difficult and we had to spend a lot of time and money to talk to local governments governments ministers we did research together with universities and other academic uh, companies what didn't we do it's been an extremely hectic year and from a finance perspective because i was in the in the in the risk team we immediately because it impacts our customers and also the customers of our customers so we have industrial meat and we have food service customers our food service Customers, I think they were, of course, immediately impacted by the lockdown. Restaurants and, and food service companies were not buying any food anymore. But retailers were. So we, what we immediately did, we looked at all the supplier base, the full supplier base, the full customer base, and set up a risk management project to see where our receivable risk was heading to, how could we best manage that risk, etc. So it was extremely energetic. And I think it was interesting, but it was uh, horrible, of course, for many people. Yeah. Yeah, challenging times and things like that. And how did you then as a treasury team cope? Because you had a number, you know, was it all straight working from home? And you, I know that we, again, talked about your contingency plans coming to the fore and everything else. You know, what, what was that like? And then how have you as a group got through it? I must admit that like many people I talked to with banks with banks and other companies, it was easier than I would have imagined. Because we, well, we were lucky that, lucky that five years ago, when I started, all the systems were, systems were outdated. So we briefly touched upon that already, but then implemented everything in the cloud. So we have a treasury management system in the cloud. We have an electronic banking system in the cloud. We have a cash flow forecasting module in the cloud. We, we Everything, also our trading platform is in the cloud. So, so there's no, from a business perspective, from a treasury business perspective, there's no reason to be at the office at all apart from uh, the teamwork etc but so it was an easy transition almost did you miss that team element do you do you think yeah well what what we we do is we have at least twice a week we have meeting or a coffee break or and then everybody dials in via via teams and we have a coffee and and go through the agendas and or not or the weekend or but just to keep in touch with each other yeah I spoke to Luke Vlaming recently from Remy Contro, and we were discussing that he had these calls with team with no agenda. You know, it was just like, well, tell us about, you know, how has it been? And, you know, we were both joking about the fact that, you know, you can't exactly say, oh, yeah, went up to town recently, had a, you know, really nice weekend and we went out and everything else. No, no, it was like, I got dressed to go to the supermarket. Great. <laughs> it's just very frustrating. <laughs> but how did you find similar or was it, what was the sort of the background to all of it, as it were? We do go through the agendas always. That's a sort of one of the meetings, especially on Monday, I must say. That the kickoff of the week, we go through what have you done last week and what do you need to do this week and where can I help or where can someone else help you? Yeah. So that's the sort of the, the Monday thing. And then on Thursday, we always have coffee, just chat. And I try to invite some of, because I'm a bit more aware because I'm in the CFO team and and in the risk compliance committee. And I'm a bit more aware of all kinds of projects going on. Yeah. So I, I try to invite someone who, who then updates the team about a new topic or something. Oh, excellent. Just, just, yeah. It does not always have to do do something with uh, the treasury. For, for last week, we had someone telling us about what's going on with robotics uh, within Vion uh, in the shared service center. So that, that, that's interesting. 
and it also uh, in this in this case it also impacts uh, treasury because we we immediately asked this person also to do one or two projects projects for us amazing so actually it's sort of what's the word expanding the the remit of treasury but you know sort of linking up with other areas and actually that's not something i've heard that you know i think really innovative as well well normally i do it by walking around yeah. talking to people and i came to the conclusion after a few months that i that you you do miss a lot huh? also risk but also interesting things you learn while you're having a cup of coffee or you're walking around and having a chat or just asking people of how they are doing. And then if you're only in, in a Teams meetings all day, and you, you might recognize yeah. that, you go from the start of the day till the end of the day, and then you wonder when you do your work. But there's no, you're just talking to the people in the meeting yeah. and only talking about the topic you're supposed to discuss in the meeting. I, well, I miss uh, the sort of the gray area there. That's why I try to... Exactly that. When I had this conversation with Luke, he recognised that as well. Those water cooler moments where they were just having a cup of tea, coffee, or whatever, they're sitting there and they're just talking. And then one person sort of... And it's like the sort of... The ideas evolve and gain their own traction just accidentally, if that's the right way to put it. They sort of just appear sort of thing. And then sometimes you learn, indeed, at the water cooler, hey, we're, we have, we're arranging a trade with China and uh, for these and these uh, customers. And then you think, hey, listen, we might need to add some value there or ask them about what they're doing with the US dollar or how they're financing it. Or it helps just to yeah, reach out to different departments. Yeah, get to know them and everything else. And so we're not over COVID. That's the wrong way to put it. But as we start to sort of move out of this phase, what's the ethos? Are you going to all be back in the team, You know, back in the room, back in the office straight away? Or... Have you now seen this new way of working? What, what's the sort of thinking behind it, as, as it were? We did not have any instructions or talks about this with uh, with HR. My view is it will be a hybrid, I guess, of what we've done last year and what we did before that. So I must admit that many managers are not a fan of people working at home, but they, they, they probably have changed their minds uh, about some of their team members uh, for the last year. Yeah. I don't think that everybody is made for or has the discipline or, or is just not comfortable being alone in a room full day. So it's not, not for everybody, but uh, it could be a good mix with uh, two days home and three days at the office. Yeah. Uh, so definitely impact, uh, have impact, uh, lasting impact, I think. But also, I think that there's a social element to Treasury, which a lot of people, I think, overlooked. You know, there were lots of projects doing, that's it, great, great. But then they were like, oh, actually... I could do with asking someone about it, and that was fine. And then people then were, you know, reaching out to people, and but the those conversations started to die down. You know, they weren't there yeah. so much, and and people were like actually, I'd like to talk to someone about this, or you know, just have that social thing, and also mental thing as well. You know, the, you know, we overlook that people like contact, and that's one of the key things I've noticed as well. And I also think that. Many of the projects you do within Trash, you ask people to, because many times it's only a smaller department, so you always need help for external, uh, from external departments to implement something, and, and it always affects the business. Mm. So, so people have to change. And, well, my experience is that a lot of people don't like this. They don't like to change. They like to do the repetitive thing. I don't think implementation of a project can be successful without physically sitting in a room and explaining to uh, to certain persons why you're doing this and, and listening to their complaints and why they don't like it. And I'm not sure that implementation of, of, of a huge change can be done via Teams or Zoom or whatever. Yeah. 
One of the other areas that we we discussed pre-podcast, we you know we're not that far off the end of today's show or coming up to some of the sort of you know talking to you about the future of Treasury and things like that. But just before we do that, one of the things that you and I discussed was about that you've got a wider remit than just Treasury. You do insurance, got credit risk, and that this risk framework, if you like, there's much more material risk to a business such as yours than perhaps I knew before. You know, we were talking about some of the, you know, facilities for you guys, and that's really changing and and things like that. What's the sort of framework for that going forward? You know, how are you dealing with that? So my responsibility is indeed uh, treasury insurance and and credit risk management. And it's sort of combined, at least in my view, it's it's, it's, it's a good fit because we use our receivables is is one of our drivers for working capital, but of course uh, we pay early and receive later. Eh? So therefore, I think I told you eh, that uh, if if the meat price for the pork price increases with uh, with one cent or with ten cent, then then it, it costs me ten million of working capital because of the volume. And and therefore, it's for me. So we have a volatile working capital need depending on the on the meat prices, and this receivable portfolio can be used to finance that because it's it's moving communicating vessels. Yeah. And the credit risk management department, they guard the risk of the receivable portfolio. So they ensure this and, and they make sure that together with sales that we have don't over have no overexposure on certain customers. That that's therefore it's a good combination, I think, yeah. within looking at the future of Treasury, I know that you like to like to use systems and you like to streamline things. Yeah. You know, where do you see it going? Where where are your Again, I often talk on the show that your CFO is pushing you forward. So, look, can you test that out for me? Can you check that for me? Where are you seeing it developing, as it were? Real-time data, I think. That will that will be, I think, robotics, machine learning. Yeah. And all of this will lead to another level of transparency and efficiency, I think, So, uh, in, in risk management. So, so I think the back and the mid office will move more to shared service centers in combination with robotics and, and front office so the treasurer will be become more business partner slash advisor than he, than he is now in the past spent more time gathering information yeah, an operational part of the treasury now i think everything is available and you can spend more time on analyzing the information see earlier at an earlier stage where the future risks are and then manage it yeah that's the i think the big the big change we're yeah, we are already partly there, of course. Yeah, we're getting there slowly and things like that. Implementing that, bringing back the team and everything else. What What are you seeing as development for the group? You came in at a tough time. You know, it's it's developing and it's growing and everything else. Do you see that sort of your treasury guys getting much more involved in the the group as a whole, or what What, what are you pushing them to do? Or sort of, I think it was fantastic what you just mentioned about getting involved with the robotics guy. You know, talking to those guys and IT and things like that, getting close to them. You know, and that's yeah. a nice byproduct of this situation. But do you see that continuing, or what are your thoughts? Well, I think you once asked me how about recruiting. It's difficult to recruit people. Yeah, I prefer it to have management trainees. So, in my view, all the senior finance people, they are CFOs or senior controllers yeah. or whatever, they should have a stint there, maybe half a year only, with treasury. Right, and and they dish because many times I have discussions with controllers. They they have no clue about balance sheet or it's uh, or they or how they manage certain risks and i think they don't have to be able to manage it themselves but they should recognize things and know that there are people within the company who can help them with it so that, that's how i see how they should they should involve in the, from a hr perspective yeah so much that i want to hire different people myself but i think 
we should change, I think. And treasury is about change, of course, because we, we are always changing things and, uh, and people need to change as well. Yeah. So we're approaching the end of today's episode. And as always, you know, our closing question to you is your top tips, if you like. So we've got people listening today that are in the early stages of their careers, treasury managers and things like that, and more junior than that. Then you've got mid-level and, and then we've also got other treasurers listening today. You know, they like it and they're listening to it where they might be, you know, exercising or, you know, maybe even traveling to work. Some people might be by then. What are the top tips if you reflect back, Martin? And what would you say to the people listening today that, you know, that they should be doing, if you like, in your opinion, for to be successful like yourself? I think they definitely should embrace big data. I think the future will be extremely data-driven. Yep. You need to be able to understand and, and work with that. As a person, I would I would say uh, to do regularly change jobs. It does not have to be per se changing companies, but that helps change cultures, change countries, travel. In my opinion, is a very positive experience for, for every employee. And I think um, they, people should. I have a friend of mine. I, I, he always gives me the impression that he only works for the weekend. And I would never do that. You should always work for fun. You should work should give you energy and not cost you energy. I think. Yeah. Wow. No inspirational words, sir. <laughs> that's great i love it no it's really good and i think you know people will get some really you have to do something you like otherwise it's the life's life then it's, otherwise it's too weak it's too long yeah life is too short you know particularly in yeah. these times you know challenging times but you've still got to enjoy what you're doing so you know i think great end to the show and uh Thank you for your time. What we'll do, as I say, as always, we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes. So, you know, there may be a flood of people wanting to connect to yourself and, you know, getting to know you as well. I know that. But do many people listen to the to the show or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, yeah, each show gets downloaded over 250 times. Very popular podcast, actually. I mean, we're, we're, we're approaching 46,000 downloads now. It's just incredible. Oh, right. Yeah, over 140 plus episodes. So, no, uh, you know, all that remains for me to say, sir, is, uh, you know, I hope I get this right one more time, is Martin, it's been brilliant talking to you today, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, you too, Mike. Thank you, sir. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free, and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.